Hey everyone and welcome to the 6th episode of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddhartha Valuri and in this episode I got to talk to Shantal Mutter, a senior architect operating at the intersection of new media, art and architecture. We spoke about her explorations in the abstract realms and how she balances her professional and personal design projects along with how she plans to develop her style and work through motion in the future. One of the main goals of mine through this podcast was to be able to create a platform to speak with designers and artists outside the entertainment industry as well to get insights into how those industries function and how those designers approach their careers and so it was really fun to get to know these insights through this conversation and with that said I hope you all enjoy the conversation and get some value out of it I came across your work like I told you earlier when two of my friends started studying at Bartlett and they were part of your Bpro workshop and I think that was a pretty eye opening site for me because I had no idea about the kind of workshops that you guys were teaching over there and even though my work revolves around the digital realm through the entertainment side of the work that kind of work was something quite different to me and that's when I immediately started getting attracted to your work and the work of Barry Wark and a couple of other people over there and so yeah, i thought it'll be good to have you on the show and kind of talk about the design process and how you basically got to this point and yeah i mean i think it'll be great to start from the very beginning like how did you even get into design to begin with yeah so so what it got me to this to, to the design and to this point so more into uh, computational design is uh, Basically, I did a workshop a couple of years ago in 2018 with AA. It was more generative design. So that was the first time I was uh, even uh, exposed to generative ways of uh, dealing with architecture and design in general. So I was uh, curious and it was quite alienating for me. And it was difficult at first because I really didn't understand how you can like a grasshopper, for example, or any type of uh, computational tools that you can generate so many iterations just from a simple uh, coding system. So that was something quite new. And then I got more curious and I just started immersing myself into it and more into the generative art than uh, uh, product design or uh, uh, like in architecture in general. So this is when I started getting more into it. And I got into ZHA and ZHA is a company where it, gives you the opportunity to experiment even more mm-hmm. like we we use a lot of uh, parametric tools so of course you know <laughs> so that's something that is very abundant in the company and uh, we have a lot of skilled designers and we have a lot of like specialized designers as well in every section so we have the code team that's more into coding we have the zh cluster more into uh, maya modeling and the design concept for competitions and you have the technical cluster which is uh, what i started going into first this is where i got the uh, hired for and then gradually yeah i started building up my portfolio there and getting more uh, immersed into the tools and experimenting further and then yeah it's just uh, it's purely interest and curiosity from my side and a way to express uh, Uh, like a side of me I think that I I was uh, oppressing in the past because I was more (laughs) busy being an architect (laughs) so so to speak so 
it was it was a good way to yeah just letting letting things out and getting more into media as well that that's something i like to merge too with my style so so yeah this is what got me where i am today and uh, the part they were interested and curious about what i'm doing and they wanted to uh, get me on board so this is uh, yeah just to answer your question <laughs> cool. i think one thing i really noticed about your work yeah. was that you were churning out quite a lot of iterations and playing with various yeah. parameters on a pretty much on a daily basis because i was seeing updates on instagram or on your website pretty much daily or weekly and it's it's quite evident right from the beginning that you have kind of started developing your own style which is taking a different path from the typical parametric stuff that we generally tend to associate with and i think it'll be interesting to see how you actually came to this point because as a student or even for my own personal ex- experience when i was starting to come to know about parametric there's like a certain look that people associate with how did you kind of go about developing your own style over the years um i go about it uh, in a way that i try as much as possible to merge it with motion so this is something that uh, i i highly focus on at the moment so i started first as being static and few like uh, experimentations with motion and then i saw a few things that we've done at zha actually so there's this amazing projection mapping that's been done in 2017 it wasn't me it was the code team mm-hmm. so i i i looked at it and i was and, and it spoke to me because i i felt like this is a similar language that there that's been used and that i i want to accomplish so it started from different inspirations actually so so i got like exposed to different things that i was seeing and i i didn't know that as an architect you can actually uh, expand that much and just extend your uh, your uh, your basic knowledge into art from architecture into building something more digital and creative it stems as well from the fact that i've always wanted to be a graphic designer too so that's mm. something that uh, i i like to do i like visual expressions i like uh, yeah the notion of uh, telling a story in a visual way without even uh, just using any <laughs> proper architectural tools that's that's something that that interested me and now I'm, i find myself quite merging merging both really like getting more into motion design and graphic design but at the same time trying to keep keep the like, like you can sense there's some architectural uh, inspiration or lines or like uh, movements in, in the stuff that i do so that's something that's built in like i cannot take get out of it but it's interesting to see how it's expanding to other realms but yeah i i, I experiment on a daily basis but uh, i tend to just keep it balanced as much as possible so i mm-hmm. i don't really over <laughs> like burn yourself basically so you really have to yeah just Yeah definitely break, there's a tendency to, to go overboard <laughs> definitely Yeah 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 just to know when to stop and just relax and then start from the beginning because otherwise it just becomes too chaotic and especially now like the world is filled with like parametric tools and mm-hmm. workshops here workshops there and people like telling you this or, like there's so much uh, noise in terms of the parametric world that's could be overwhelming so it's good to step away from it like at the at the right time and just breathe go back to what you really want to express and just get it out again so it's it's that this is the notion like just to know when to stop basically and to begin again yeah. I, i think the people who do the best parametric design are not getting inspired by parametric design at all they are they have completely different sources of inspiration or the kind of visual library that they're developing has nothing to do with parametric so they're not repeating what's 
already happening out there and i think that's a pretty key element to kind of develop your own style and taste over time as well yeah it's all about your own like just be honest with yourself because there's a lot of competition mm-hmm. there's a lot of softwares to learn there's a lot of people experimenting with softwares and trying to be the best etc like it doesn't really like if if you want to be different you don't want to think of being different you just want to think of just just doing what you really want and it just like gradually grows into something that then it attracts people's like oh something's different here because it's could be something very simple which is i mean i tend to be as simple as possible because this is how i am like i don't i don't like to uh, merge a lot of uh, chaos into my uh, my uh, my visuals though sometimes there's a bit of chaos but <laughs> it's, it's just a way to like just be be as simple as possible and true to yourself really like, i know it sounds cliche but it, it is true like no, there's no, no... <laughs> i agree with you there it, it does yeah. sound cliche but then it's the reality like you just got to kind yeah. of yeah dig into your own style your, over time your interests like what interests you like what do you like to do like for me as well there's also an element of uh, uh, like uh, movies and science fiction because i mean i like it mm-hmm. i like alien world i like uh, a bit uh, of um, just not extraterrestrial uh, species just uh, the the fact that geology in general like i like different elements like that found in nature that you find them alien because that's something that you find on a daily basis and i like to experiment on that notion and just stretch it out a bit further maybe when we, I, i add media to it it becomes a bit of a it gives a bit of hint of sci-fi but yeah i mean i like that so why not do it <laughs> so what are like one or two movies that have actually inspired your journey quite a bit because for me personally the old alien trilogy has been a big big influence on the kind of okay. aesthetic and the mood that i like so i'm curious like what inspired you i mean yeah i i know the alien trilogy i mean uh i think prometheus in terms of uh, cinematography and mm-hmm. just the actual like formations and the planets i mean that's something quite dark as well so i yeah. like uh, i like that I like Blade Runner but in terms of cinematography and like the world that they built in that was an architectural there the, are some the, spaces that, the old one or the, the new one because the two have vastly different yeah, cinematography Yeah that's a good question <laughs> I mean the old one as a story is more interesting for me but mm-hmm. as a as a whole like setup and scene and the, the whole uh, cinematography and yeah it's the new one that's uh, quite the that stood out because yeah there are I, i mean i'm getting now some visuals there are some scenes where you have like these amazing architectural uh, spaces where yeah it's quite uh, it's quite interesting um yeah besides that yeah these these are the ones that just came to my mind there's mm-hmm. also like the matrix trilogy where you have this notion of, uh, of course yeah this a classic <laughs> i think uh, everyone is absolutely yeah <laughs> Yeah. Pr- yeah. Prometheus is a good example because especially yeah. right at the beginning when the engineer's body starts disintegrating I can kind of picture yeah. how that could could be an influence on your work because in an abstract manner that movement that sense of design is kind of translating into the lines or the dune kind of series that you kind of work towards. Yeah, there's also the element of yeah, I I, t- I tend to focus a lot on disintegration too and reintegration. So I like to merge these two together otherwise it becomes too uh, too dark I think just to focus on disintegration. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's interesting just to see the dissolving of matter and all these like particles and stuff. I think that's something yeah, I'm I'm influenced uh, by in in some of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. But mostly like I I tend to uh, think about like uh, vast landscapes. I like space. I like maybe that 
reflects my personality as well. So I like just the, um, not being a loner, but I, I like the fact that you have silent landscapes. So I tend to do that as much as possible because I think it gives a bit of a, a like a, a space. Some sort place. of starkness or yeah. quiet yeah. to that space. Yeah, silence, quietness, but at the same time, as like a hint of something that might happen or mm. uh, like a, just an element of surprise always there. And I also tend to merge different styles. So I tend to not to do too much because I'm, I'm, I know I'm very curious and I can get lost in the, in the things that I, I like to do. So, yeah, I find it now a bit, uh, it's, it's important to, I say it again, but it's important to know when to stop. But that, that's something I, I always go through. So I always tend to maybe get a bit overboard in the things that I like, but it's, it's, it's good to keep, uh, keep focusing focus, on one particular thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not just one. I think you can do many things. You mm -hmm. can do different scales too. You can do different themes, but not too much. But at the same time, if you focus on just one thing, I know you can be very specialized in it and you'll be great at it, but mm -hmm. I, I feel like you can get to a point where it gets too repetitive. So that's why I think it's important to have different uh, approaches to things. And, yeah, that's a valid but keeping, point. Keeping this, a similar language, but you can try different things. But yeah, just, j just to know when to really stop and not to do too little at the same time. Otherwise, mm -hmm. yeah, then go back to balance, which is... I think, yeah, everyone is trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a hard thing to find that balance yeah. because especially as somebody gets more technically proficient, you want to keep experimenting and exploring as much as you can. But then that's where that discipline factor comes in to really sharpen in a couple of skills and develop that aesthetic further. And that actually prompts a particular question that I have because you were talking about these stark landscapes that you like generating. And... As someone who's interested in science fiction movies or storytelling, how, how come you resist the urge to add characters or more storytelling elements within that landscape? Or is it a conscious choice to just eliminate that altogether? I mean, this is how it's, it started like this. Uh, now I'm getting more curious about getting more people into it. But mm -hmm. when, when you get more uh, like silhouettes of more, more people into your storytelling, then it becomes a bit clearer in a way that it, it sounds like a movie like a short like a narrative maybe it, it will be interesting like i'm curious i started experimenting with it like quite recently oh, so that's interesting i i have this uh, this tiny animation that i'm doing for someone and uh, uh, yeah it's about like a futuristic uh, it's more like a like a woman taking care of like it's 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 a woman feminine kind of subject so mm -hmm. it was it was interesting to experiment with it on a more of a futuristic way. But uh, when I started implementing these silhouettes and these bodies, it, I felt a bit strange. That's not something I usually do. So I felt a bit uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, maybe it got, it got, a, it got like it was successful. I got a quite interest from it. They were quite, uh, whenever you do something new, mm -hmm. people always get uh, more curious about uh, like, oh, what's next? Why, why did you do this? What's, what's your, what's the story behind this? So. This is when I get more, not motivated, that's not the right word to say, but more curious to actually push it even further. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe in the future, I'll, I will have more people into my landscapes, but I, I need to find the right narrative, not just for the sake of doing something. Yeah, definitely. Know, okay. There needs to be a core story behind yeah. having that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it becomes, uh, yeah, more uh, into a short movie or something. Yeah, that'll be interesting, yes. definitely. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to kind of, take a couple of steps back and talk about your earlier journey as well, because 
you directly led us into the zha side of things <laughs> but there's a long yeah. path to get to working as a senior architect at zha so i really want to talk about like how did you i mean was it like drawing at an early age or just fascination with buildings or how did you get into design as a younger student that's interesting so as as young uh well my dad was uh, was in the army but at the same time he oh, okay. he 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 used to draw very well like he used to do all my kind of bad to say but he used to do all my like drawing uh, projects at school because <laughs> i th- i thought i sucked at, at drawing basically like i had no sense of uh, uh, yeah I-, i thought i didn't have a talent or whatsoever but then but that was very young mm-hmm. and then gradually as i admired him how he used to approach things and uh, he 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 was very good in math too and geometry so he's the one who actually uh, pushed me in terms of uh, and taught me like all these uh, tricks of how to draw things etc and how to uh, well be good in geometry and then uh, furthermore i had this tiny book at some point of like drawing dresses and fashion design and drawing staircases so it was very strange i think i was hybrid since i was very young <laughs> so i always like wanted to do different things at the same time and it, it, i was quite good i have mm-hmm. to say and then we had some art uh, classes in high school and then i got a bit better in terms of sketching and stuff and then at the end i think uh, before i got into university i had the option to go either into biology and medicine or into architecture which is something quite different which yeah. is even more diverse but i i mean i the, the system in lebanon was this is where i come from mm-hmm. it was a french system like my my high school so uh the last year of high school was uh they don't give you the option to go into either biology or math or like we had philosophy we had different sectors for the last year so they decide for you and they decided i go into biology and math so that was like a second so science section that's i i did it that's pretty I know, weird was, i've never heard of a system <laughs> where they decide for you yeah yeah they decide based on your grades and what you like they they know your your yeah your your history in in the school and mm-hmm. i was in the same school since since kindergarten so okay. it was easier for them to see how my path was going so and uh, yeah it was uh, i was selected to go into the science branch and i found it interesting there's also an element of science as well into the stuff that i do like i love cells and like the division of cells and geology in particular i've always been fascinated like by the the earth i know it sounds a bit weird and nerdy but <laughs> i i really love like how like rocks forms and how like minerals and all that crystals that's something i was always fascinated with and i think the fact that nature is very abundant around where i used to live in in lebanon so i always had the, these uh, weird caves around us that i always explored as i was i mean there's there's a lot of elements of like your past or things that you always like to do or you explored as you were young that you get affected by and then they stick with you and then now you find a way to express something that yeah. maybe it's missing That's or true. maybe something yeah so so it all stems from that and this is when i decided to go into architecture more than just going into science i thought science was a bit more rigid in terms of uh hiding the artistic side or oppressing it and yeah so that was when i i branched out and then i uh, uh after i graduated i worked in the middle east for a few years and then i moved to london seven six years ago now almost seven years now so when and you yeah. were working in the middle east i i was going through your website that's when you were working with bernard curry right correct yes, yes. How, how was the experience I, working in his studio that was one of the best experiences because how it works is that 
it's not as big as ZHA. We were like 15, 20 people. But back in then in Lebanon, that was a large firm-ish, like kind of a large firm. Well, I didn't so realize it was that small in terms of the number of people. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, yeah. If you go on a the website, they, probably they put the names of all the people that, that were there all the time. So that's why whenever you, I think people go there and they see uh, who, who work there, they see a lot of people. But this is like throughout the years. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it was around 15 to 20 people. And uh, how it works is that he... He's such an inspirational person for first, like it's and it's overwhelming to be around him. So that was something quite that I've always felt a bit uh, like un- unease when I'm <laughs> around him. But, but uh, yeah, it was interesting because he gave you so much responsibility at an early stage. Like I remember I was, I think I was a project architect when I had only like four or five years experience. And that was like, oh, okay quite scary for me to take something on board but I I learned so much just from that I mean I did did so many mistakes that's obviously Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's uh, that's how it works but then uh, yeah you grow so much because of that and because of the exposure and uh, the design is quite avant-garde as well and the way the mentality is in terms of thinking about architecture in the Middle East and that specific studio is quite uh, futuristic in, in that side of the world so uh, it was interesting to to be on board on uh, with his team. So I, I learned so much, even though I was only there for like a year and, and a half and something. And That's then fascinating. I yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah. working in a studio with such a prominent figure, it it's always, I feel like a double-edged sword because it's daunting because of the presence yeah. of that person. But at the other side, yeah. you get to learn so much. And Yeah, exactly. Like you said, within a one and a half peri- year period, which is a fairly short amount of time, you're able to gain so much experience and that knowledge promotes your growth at a much faster pace as compared to working at a regular so-called architecture studio or a design studio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember like, it's just, uh, it was very challenging and even we did a few competitions and just did long hours. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting stage uh, in terms of my career. So I'm very happy to have been on board. That's cool. So yeah. after working with Bernard Curry, was that immediately after that you joined ZHA? No, there was a long, <laughs> a long way to join ZHA. So after the, after Bernard, I moved to London mm-hmm. and I worked in a few firms where, I mean, at first I didn't know where I was fitting in. Like I had no idea what an architectural assistant, part one, part two, part three, like that's, that was something that's, I never understood until quite some time. So I ended up in a few roles that were a bit junior for me uh, at the beginning because I really didn't know. Like I tried as much as possible because you're still new. And even switching from my overseas to uh, ARB, that was, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the system. In Not the particularly. I was just about to ask ah, okay, you about okay. that. Like <laughs> okay, I was yeah, shifting yeah. from countries because the bylaws <laughs> change and the courts yeah, yeah. change. How do you adapt to that? Did you have to write some new exams or how, yeah, how basically that process it, go? Yeah, it's a bit of a long, uh, long uh, procedure if you don't have an EU, uh, um, how do you say, educational license. licenses. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. So if you don't have any EU or UK licenses uh, or from any like body, educational body in the EU, you, you cannot really convert your uh, architectural diploma or even your experience that you did so far into getting a license in the UK. So that was something that's... Uh, like, yeah, that was in the way in some of the jobs that I got first in the UK. So I always had to uh, like 
get denied a job just because I don't have a UK license or whatsoever. So I always was looking for the next best thing. And I've always was eager to work at ZHA from the beginning. And mm-hmm. uh, I got a call from Norman and Foster's once for an interview. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I remember I didn't, I didn't go because I didn't want to work there. What's don't want to work in that big firm. I was happy to still, I don't I know <laughs> why, why would I do that? <laughs> And then I got call again from ZHA after a while, after I did my workshop and stuff. I think I got some exposure and people were looking uh, at my stuff that I was doing. And uh, yeah, and then I got a call for an interview. I was like, no, this time I'm definitely going to go. I'm like, it's just going to be like, no, <laughs> this is ZHA. I've, I know, but she she wasn't there anymore. So mm-hmm. I got it in 2008, the interview. And uh, I mean, I was sad. I never got the chance to meet her. But at least I was like, okay, no, this time I'm definitely going to go and uh, just yeah somehow get into the door (laughs) get to the door and just do it (laughs) that's quite fascinating because um (laughs) literally anybody would kill to even get into norman foster's studio yeah yeah. to deny that opportunity to yourself i mean there's like that (laughs) factor of risk assessment that you have to take and it's pretty interesting that you make that choice because you're particularly aiming for a certain style of work that you've pre-established for yourself how difficult was it to make that choice back then because now it's like looking back things have worked out but at that time you don't know at that time uh, i was very comfortable where i was uh i was in a in a company i think i was working in milton Keynes for for a while and i was traveling to france every two weeks for the role so i was i think i was happy traveling and just <laughs> enjoying enjoying it was very comfortable like but i had to move so that's why uh, i had to move from london so that, that was the bad bit where i had to be in a very solo uh, i'm not gonna say uh, it was a bit alienating being there at first, but uh, I got used to it and I got used to the like the rhythm of the life over there. But it wasn't healthy for me because I've always been like a city girl and I've always loved London. So I always wanted to go back and then I got a, a call from ZHA. But that, that was after a little bit. So I, I went back to London and I worked at Anushka Hempel Designs. That was like an interior design firm. That was an interesting experience. So I got, as you can tell, I have such a versatile background. So I've been, I've been everywhere. So I've done interiors, I've done uh, retail, I've done, yeah, just yeah. yeah. You have a pretty varied uh, <laughs> background in terms of the experience. I'm curious, like how how yeah. many years have you been working for at this point? So I graduated in 2008. So that's been like I've been 12 years. Mm. So that now, was your bachelor's. Yeah, uh, yeah, masters. Ma- okay. So wow. six so, years. Yeah. It was, that's yeah. yeah that's a pretty long professional career already and i think yeah. i had one particular question before we got into your zha experience like at this point you've been designing virtually as well as physically the actual buildings H- how different is your approach when you design for the real world versus the virtual world i have to say it's much easier the virtual world obviously mm-hmm. because there's so much freedom and it's your own stuff so you don't have any restrictions you don't have any like structure to abide with except the tools that you're using you have to know how to use it basically so for me that's the only restrictions in in the virtual stuff that i do but in terms of architecture there's oof, there's so many restrictions there's uh, the client there's the building regs there's the like the site there's the team as well the structure of the team so sometimes you you have to be careful like uh, 
you have to know what you're doing at the same time you have to keep uh, keep communication open with everyone so it's more challenging when you're working as part of an architectural project in general but mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it's the the approach is uh, i try to be as simple as clear as possible even in the architectural stuff so i always have my ideas clear and that usually works for me so far so <laughs> that's cool yeah. Um, yeah. when, a, when a building of yours or rather a building that you've worked on because there are like hundreds of thousands of people involved in some of the bigger yeah. structures when it comes to life does that give you more of a satisfaction of being part of that project or a successful experiment that you've done on your own system in the virtual world like what gives you that motivation compared I mean between the two of those things um there is well, currently as uh, I still didn't go on site in any of the projects that I was doing so far. Usually it takes so much time at the company. So the project takes uh, the, the lifespan of a project. It takes so much to, to get it to be on site. And it's very rare that you get to go on site as well. It's usually like directors and stuff. So, okay. uh, but I'm hoping one day on the project that I'm working on, but uh, on the other side, there is this project I did in Beirut with Bernard Khoury that, uh, I was involved uh, in it from an early stage, and then the planning, then the DD, then design development and construction. Then I saw it on site. And now every time I go back to Beirut, oh, I see it's already built and people are living in it. This is, I, I feel good. It feels good, but yeah. it's not the 100% satisfaction because it's not really my project. So it's more, I, I feel satisfied because that's something I work so hard on it with the team. So that's something, I'm, yeah, it feels good to see it. But I always feel, I mean, to be honest, much, uh, much uh, satisfied when I see like, I don't know, an exhibition or something I did that is actually being uh, like fully, fully me, like my, my idea, my production and uh, yeah, my realization and people are actually appreciating it. So that's something that I really, I really get satisfied. Yeah, you've been having quite a few exhibitions of late, like I keep seeing on instagram yeah they're I mean, just uh, yeah, like suddenly <laughs> in, over the last one or two months there have been quite a few of them so how does that yeah. process work do they reach out to you to set up some sort of a solo exhibition so it started out with uh, last year actually before lockdown mm -hmm. i got i started it so i got into a contact with a, a an exhibition place in london called the brick lane library and uh, sorry library the brick lane gallery <laughs> And uh, it could be a library, I don't know. And they 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 accepted my application, and then I I was set to go in March and exhibit my uh, my pieces. It was something new for them as well because my art was more generative art and computational art, whilst the other artists had all like hand drawn hand paintings, like or contemporary paintings. So I was like uh, the odd one out, but it was interesting because. <laughs> I wanted to experience this and I think they did too. So, uh, and then COVID happened, obviously. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the famous COVID. And then it got postponed so many times. And then I did it. My first exhibition was in last October. Yeah, it was last October. And uh, the opening was supposed to be open to the public and having drinks and stuff, but. Uh, it didn't work that way. It was always almost online. Everything was online and restrictions were still there in terms of COVID. But uh, I managed to go once or twice, but it wasn't as I wanted to be. But at least that was my first exposure. And then I got a call after that from a gallery in France mm -hmm. and uh, another one from Rome. But I couldn't do the Rome one because I was in Beirut. 
I felt it was a bit too much just to prepare and stuff because I was, I mean, working at ZHA is uh, very overwhelming as well. So you have to uh, just keep keep, it, keep focus. I know more exhibitions going to come in the horizon. I just don't want to overwork myself. So uh, I accepted a couple. So now the one that I'm looking forward to is actually the one happening in Paris. That's going to be cool. So that was going to be the first one where they're going to print it on Allusion. So it's going to be a bit more experimental in terms of how to expose the art. But uh, in the future, I really, I don't want to keep doing stills exhibitions. That's not something I want to do. So I want to get more into motion. motion that's yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. That's my, I mean, that's what I do. That's what I think I want to do for now. So, <laughs> so I wouldn't want to just uh, be uh, exhibiting stills, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm very thankful and obviously very happy and satisfied to be uh, chosen to exhibit in France now. That's something quite cool. That's fascinating. But, uh, I, I was yeah, actually absolutely. curious, um, do, you, yeah. do you create brand new pieces for each of these exhibitions? Yeah, for this one, yeah. Uh, they asked. They asked for something I've done in the past in, in, in terms of similar tone, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe I will do a, a special edition for for you guys. You don't need to. I don't need to repeat. I, I don't like repeating myself in general. Like I tend to always uh, create something new, but I have to slow it down a bit because sometimes I get, it gets a bit overwhelming. So yeah, I created something new, like a special edition for them, uh, a special piece, and yeah, that will be cool. I had a question, like kind of similar in the similar vein like you you say that you are trying to create new pieces or new ideas for each of these exhibitions but suppose i step back and i look at your gallery there's a common thread between the entire gallery so to speak like there's those alien landscapes and the certain almost like still motion kind of yeah. lines right in in your mind how do you define those new pieces because from a generative point of view every new iteration could be called a new piece of art technically. So how do you decide yeah. that, okay, this is where I'm going to stop the iteration or no, I need to iterate it a couple of more times to finally find that form because it's so abstract, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I start from a base, a base idea and then I start extracting those lines and just keep, keep on adding more generative uh, layers, if you want to say, on top of them. So I, I stop when I'm when I'm fully convinced that this is the idea I'm trying to convey because they wanted something a bit more like abstract in terms of landscape and the linear formations. So I, I was I was intrigued to get a new piece into that. And I had one in mind, which I wanted to work on before, but I was I never had the time. So it's it's always different sources of how I how I how it starts basically. So I just uh, yeah I I took it on board and I started just experimenting even further. And when I got to the point where okay, so this is this is where it's it's actually talking like this. But I, I didn't want to add further more because I wanted to keep it a bit uh, uh, minimalist as well. So uh, yeah, and it was it was good. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, yeah, that's it was, cool. Uh, it was a good result. <laughs> Yeah. Have you have you planned anything for the future exhibitions, the motion exhibitions that you eventually want to do? Is there going to be some sort of a narrative across the entire thing or are they going to be more like standalone pieces of animation? No, so there are a couple of uh, artists that got in contact with me recently. Mm. Um, there's this, 
artist who is based in London, we were talking in the summer where COVID restrictions were a bit less. So we had the opportunity to go to a theater, to check the place, even like we were thinking of doing this projection uh, mapping and this, he's a light designer and a choreographer as well. So it was an interesting uh, combination. And uh, he was interested in the, like the landscapes that I do and all these like, uh, like abstract forms that are going up and down. And he was interested into exploring these, uh, projected from above. So we were trying to actually have all these landscapes set on the ground on the theater and have these dancers working Ooh. around them as well. We like that's, it was it was cool. gonna be a, yeah it was gonna be amazing but uh we check out the place we were happy to go ahead and start to experiment with the design and I remember I was going to that theater one day and uh with my laptop and just to to, to test the, the projector for the first time and I think there was some restrictions and and I got busy with work, then COVID, more restrictions happened, that we were both got sidetracked, and at the same time, uh, his stuff got postponed, so uh, we were waiting for, for a better time. And then uh, on the other side, there's this other artist who got in contact recently from Bali. He, uh, yeah, he's trying to do this VR showroom, so that's something I'm curious to experiment with as well. I've never done it before. So we are yeah, in discussion now on how to co collaborate and stuff like this. So everything is still in discussion but because it's hard now to go into a gallery and you need to, to test it. That's the thing when yeah, you do a projection. True. So it's a bit uh, difficult this time to, to make it work. So, but yeah, I'll keep it in mind. Definitely next year, there's going to be something happening <laughs> on that side. That's fascinating. It's like... Um... After someone crosses a certain threshold of quality of work, suddenly that world opens up in a different manner because you start collaborating with people of really high skill level. And I think that's where the really fun work starts because you spend all these years to develop your skill to a certain point, right? And you're yeah. still kind of working in isolation, apart from the professional yeah. work, of course. But then, I mean, this the choreography, light design in the theater would be so fascinating to actually witness and it's always cool to see those collaborations happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to, to something more, uh, yeah, tangible, basically, like tangible spaces with the, the generative art pieces that I'm doing. Um, I'm, I really want to work on that. So that's something I'm highly focused on right now, mm -hmm. not just stills. But yeah, just uh, experimenting keep growing, basically. I'm always learning, to be honest. Like, uh, it's never going to stop. <laughs> but it's good to, yeah to get it more in the world and get it more exposed yeah absolutely so earlier you were mentioning you know like you've been working at zha for about two years but you still haven't gotten a chance to go check out the project as a site at the site it's i mean from an outside perspective that's quite fascinating to me because you are a fairly experienced architect or designer but then that organization is so vast that within that itself there are so many hierarchies of which you're just a small part of how does that work? Because in your personal work, there's so much of freedom to keep developing your own ideas. But when you're part of such a big organization, how does that affect the way you have to adapt and work? So, yeah, so that was my fear when I wanted to join ZHA or when I hesitated and didn't go to Norman Foster's interview. <laughs> it's because, yeah, you feel like you're swallowed up, basically. You don't have, you have to work so hard. And this is the situation after two years and almost a half at CHA. 
uh, it was a tough road for me. I have to be honest. It wasn't an easy road, but at the same time, I was very focused on what I do. And I, the most important thing is saying, flagging things at the right time. That's something that's very important because there's so many people involved. Sometimes communication get lost and, uh, uh, a lot of errors and mistakes could happen. And yeah, it's always good to flag things up and just speak up, basically. That's that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But it's tiring because you have to do it very often when you're working with such an amount of people. So that's the only thing that's uh, I find quite challenging for me because, I, I mean, uh, I like comfort, but at the same time, I like to be challenged. So uh, it was it was it was a good time to to grow as well so this is where i find myself now so the the, the most challenging bit was yeah just the communication and getting the uh, right things said at the right time and uh, getting tasks like properly divided at the right like using the skills of people as as they are basically and try to delegate things to the right people so that's the important thing and there's a lot of people so yeah. so yeah you have to keep yeah keep focused like sharp laser sharp focus that's that's how it is and especially in these larger firms i mean people skills and communication those soft skills are so vital because otherwise i mean you'll just get lost in that mass of people because unless you actually yeah. vocalize what you're thinking it'll be very hard to navigate that yeah absolutely you have to i mean as well for me i think uh how it works very well now is because you have to keep direct communication with uh, like the one responsible for the project at the same mm-hmm. time. So that's very important to keep. Otherwise, when you have so much hierarchy and you have so many people like uh, between you even and, uh, and the, the director of the project, it's, it becomes even harder to, to like, uh, yeah, just getting get communication loss and, and get, get the decisions made by by the right uh, by the right person basically so it's very important to keep that direct channel open basically otherwise it's it becomes a bit uh, difficult to yeah to to get your your thoughts <laughs> as well and uh, if yeah just flagging things and uh, getting being open basically at the same time just uh, being responsible so that's very important mm-hmm. um you know, from a student's perspective who's still trying to get into the world of architecture or design, whatever it may be, one might think that, okay, I've I've got a job at ZHA, I've kind of made it in the industry, so to speak. <laughs> but, I mean, what is the motivation to keep experimenting on the side of it? Because genuinely, a lot of people would be pretty much happy getting a job there, and then they don't need to do anything apart from that. So where does that mm-hmm. motivation to keep putting in extra time and effort to develop these skills on the side come from yeah it's a very interesting question because it's a personal thing really like there's i mean there's a lot of uh, people in the office as well that are very comfortable where they got to or where they are and uh, that's it mm-hmm. people 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 get comfortable in their role and their their skills and they, they just don't want to get uh, get more into it i mean i understand perfectly why because I mean, they probably have families, they have, uh, I mean, it's so challenging, you have to be honest, like, it's very challenging, and it's very uh, hard working uh, environment. So if you have uh, a family, for example, or if you have other duties, or like your life doesn't really permit for you to uh, give that extra push or extra effort into your role at the office, then, uh, yeah, you, you get comfortable, and you don't want to change, 
I understand perfectly. It's all about priorities, really. And there's there's other type of people who actually like a challenge, not like a challenge, but they want to grow further. They have different priorities. So this is when uh, it comes into your own personal like preference. Like, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm. I tend to I, I try to balance it as much as possible. Otherwise, uh, it, it can go uh, pretty <laughs> pretty mad. Uh, so it's 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 good to I, I like to to be challenged, and I like at the same time to grow so much. And I've grown. I know I've grown so much till now. And uh, yeah. But it's yeah, a, I, I like to focus on the stuff that I do too. So that's something. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to maintain, but I. Yeah, I, I'm willing to make the effort because it's coming. It's it's my own personal. Uh, yeah, I think the the hard the hardest part about that I feel is because you you put in quite a bit of energy into your work, and then we still have to maintain that quality in the professional work because that can that cannot drop no matter what. Even if yeah, exactly. Even if a certain day your personal work doesn't look that good, it's fine because it's your own thing. But professionally, it'll get noticed. So. That's, I think, a pretty hard balance to crack. Yeah, absolutely. That's very hard, but it's doable. I've been mm. doing it quite well <laughs> so far. I like, I like the thing. I'm not fired yet. No, I'm joking. No, it's it's good. It's, uh, yeah. I think I, I, whenever I sense that I'm focusing more on the other side, I tend to like don't no, just shift straight away. It's not. Uh, it's not easy. It's very demanding, but it's doable. So, but now I, I'm more focused on ZHA in general than my own stuff. Otherwise, uh, yeah, it it will be. Yeah, I I can't yet focus on my own stuff. So it's something that's gonna take some time. But yeah, um, I'm happy being at ZHA so far. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually had a follow up question about that. I mean, working at a studio like that with I mean, the legacy of that studio is so vast to the point where people who are not even in design or architecture know the names Aha Habib. Does that yeah. does that affect the way you work there, or or once you're actually in the studio, it just becomes like a regular job, and that magic basically disappears? No, it actually makes me happy that people that who are not architects or designers know about CHA because that shows how versatile the company is and how broad it is, which is something, this is what I was saying at the beginning, that I I found myself uh, in the right place because it's very experimental at the same time and they don't judge you or they don't uh, tell you, oh no, you shouldn't be focusing on your on these things or you shouldn't be doing these, mm -hmm. like you should be, like they don't put restrictions or limitations they actually want to merge what you do like my director told me the other day like that software you're teaching what's it called like houdini like what the hell <laughs> can you use it to make this project here i'm like yeah sure <laughs> as in like they're interested they're, they're curious and they're interested about the the things that you do like because i mean i remember in my interview i had the my architectural portfolio, like very serious. And then I had at the end, I was like, oh, by the way, I do this too. <laughs> and the director was like, oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, no, but. <laughs> you probably let's, got let's hired go because back. of the experimental work. <laughs> no. Yeah, I like to think so, but no, it's not, uh, that's not the case. But yeah, it was, it's interesting. They like that and mm -hmm. they, they want to grow that part uh, as well uh, in you, but they, they want to keep the balance too. So they always, I remember my, previous director always told me like you just just relax why don't you do this in the week and like i know you've been teaching or whatever like it's just uh yeah they they care they don't uh, put limitations they just give you advice basically mm -hmm. and they help you to grow but uh, yeah 
as long as you don't uh, uh, like how do you say undermine your your position at the office or like you're not responsible which is absolutely that's not something i can carry on my shoulders like, i will definitely be responsible 100 percent. so yeah, yeah, yeah just keep in keep in the right uh, the yeah the, go definitely, back to I balance mean, that that definitely shows i yeah. mean good leadership because encouraging those different experiments or styles of working will at the end benefit the company itself because the employees have to go experiment on their own time and then all those skills kind of come back together to help the project itself. Yeah, exactly. It's all part of who you are as well. Mm -hmm. Like even like in, in a simple sketch that I do in the office, like I, I was telling my director, I was like, maybe we should do this in this project. It's, it's just, it's the way you are. Even if you think the same way, you would think the same way in architecture or even in an abstract way. So it's, it's you, it's you in every, in every situation. So yeah. I, I don't see the break except that in terms of uh, like like the blocks and the limitations in terms of what you do. Like for, as as you asked me before, what was uh, restrictions you find if in the architecture or in your abstract stuff? I would say there are some technical restrictions, but in terms of like your own self or your own expression, it's the same because you think the same way as you would think uh, on your artsy stuff. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you do so many workshops in various colleges or online as well. Is there that aspect that as you kind of reveal the technique, there's a tendency of people to essentially become copycats of that yeah. kind of work? <laughs> how, so how do you kind of yeah. keep up with that? Because once the technique is out there, the technique is out there, right? There's nothing that can be changed in that. Mm, yeah, that's a very important question because the other day I saw, I mean, it's, you cannot control it, but mm -hmm. at the same time, when you s start teaching, you are conscious of that decision and you know that people are going to be uh, taking on their, your, your tools and your, uh, your way of uh, expression. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a very important question. And I, I, I got some comments recently like, oh, did you see this, this person they posted, posted this or that, that that's something that you did. I was like, yeah, I know. But I mean, I taught her like, Right. She didn't credit me. Thank you very much. It's fine. Yeah, I think that's that's an important <laughs> part. Yeah, crediting is important. As long as you credit, it's fine. And if if you're using uh, something, uh, yeah. But if you don't credit and you just that, it feels a bit weird. But at the same time, I'm happy. Like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't take it very personal because I know I'm growing myself, mm -hmm. and it's not something I taught them and that's it. That's me. No, that's not me. That's just something a small fraction of what I what I do. But uh, I almost yeah, feel like it's a missed opportunity on that student's part because if they've done a particular workshop, they can always credit you and reach out to you for feedback and further guidance because yeah, if if somebody stops that communication right after the workshop, then it's just like a one one sided communication. But getting back to you and talking further down the line, then it can de yep. develop into a much deeper relationship. And then I mean, you can always keep learning more. It's not yeah, exactly, stopping. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I have some students who actually get get feedback, but there are some other people who, who like, uh, just disregard completely like <laughs> your your existence and it's just let me go. Fine, good for them, whatever. But it's just it's it's just yeah. That's that's the the risk, not a risk. Like that's the the part the side of uh, when when you when you teach workshops like independent workshops specifically. If it's a part of a program that's more long lasting, then it's a different scenario because you know that you're actually. Uh, ex researching as well with these students you're not just giving them a, a tool or a, a way of designing once and then that's it because this is as you said then you have 
copycats or you have uh, situations where you see oh, something is it me like I didn't do that <laughs> and then you see someone else's name I'm like what <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's a bit weird but it's fine like I have I've grown anyway from the the stuff that I I used to teach I don't I don't repeat as I said I don't repeat myself as well as much as possible I tend to always uh, like continuously change so yeah and this is where I start questioning really do I really want to keep doing independent workshops I'm not sure maybe maybe I'll do one or two next year but I I don't want to keep doing it that's not I'm not uh I don't think I'm I'm more I'm interested in being very academic in terms of like teaching and stuff mm -hmm. it was interesting experience during lockdown but uh, now I, I feel like it's taking a bit it's taking time for me and energy to prepare for these workshops too because it's not just uh it's not just a simple equation of oh i'm gonna give this workshop and that's it it's actually taking time to prepare the subject the theme then you're actually creating something new and then yeah. you go on and you and you give it to other people and then you you see it <laughs> going afterwards in different like <laughs> people just taking it. I mean it's just it's just the way I had this is how I see it. I like to be more protective and conservative of uh, what I do. So I wouldn't want to uh, do a lot of independent workshops. I'll do just a few. Be more selective, basically. Yeah. I think I think the positive side of doing workshops. What I have found personally is also that it, once you reveal a certain technique, then it forces you to upgrade your skills quicker because you know that that level of work is already out in the open. So then you have to push yourself to keep getting better at a faster pace so that you're still ahead of the curve, so to speak. And did you have a scenario where any student of yours eventually became a collaborator with you after the workshop happened? Um, not really a collaborator with me. Um, I think... There was this this person where she, I think there there, there might be a, an opportunity to do something together. But I think she she joined the workshops at a very uh, advanced stage. Like I don't think she she was a student level. So mm -hmm. that was a bit uh, strange for me to think now. Like why did you join that beginner workshop to begin with? Like <laughs> you're not at that level. Just just do your own thing. Like I don't know. But yeah, th there is a p opportunity to do something, but we'll see. It's still under under consideration. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, and your yeah. workshops revolve around After Effects and Houdini. Is there any other ones that you do as well? Um, my, workshops, yes. I've been doing uh, only Houdini and After Effects in terms of the tool, but in terms of the theme, it was it was more into like abstract art in general, but uh, and motion. So I do a lot of animations. I thought. I mean, I, I, I think I should give an editing class. That will be interesting to see. I think editing is a very important part of the stuff that I do too. So yeah, maybe next year, why not? We'll, yeah. we'll do like a combo, uh, maybe a longer workshop or yeah, we'll see, we'll see. There's an aspect of intuition when it comes to editing because once yeah. there's a whole reel of footage to play with, having exactly. that sense of pacing and storytelling is quite important. Otherwise the edit will never work well. Exactly. Like my brother is a filmmaker and an oh, editor okay. now as, as a professional. So I was very inspired by him when I was b before, when I was younger. And uh, now whenever I have like an art piece or an animation that I'm doing, I always go back to him. Like, just have a look. Like, what do you think? Like, so I, I know how editing, uh, like how challenging editing is. Like, it's very intuitive, as you said, but at the same time, it takes so much time and so much preparation. And I remember just seeing him on like one second frame just sitting there for one hour going back and forth just trying to get the right 
timing and it's very very hard it's very hard and it's very yeah it's very tough but it's interesting because it's cool yeah i like the 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 outcome of it instead of having a camera going in and out of your uh, like just just one animation coming out of houdini it's cool but there is this element of having to control something in in a way manually when you do editing so you have this this uh as you said, this intuition to know exactly when to cut it, when to break it, go back, change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you sketch out these ideas on paper first or is it purely digital exploration? It's very rare I do sketches by hand, even though I, I did sketches by hand when I was in university. And arch- I mean, even as an architect, I do sketches by hand sometimes. But now, because I'm super curious about these digital tools, I, I always start digitally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always start with an idea or like an inspiration or, or, or a scene in my head and something like that. It just grows into something. So. It, that, that's so counterintuitive, right? Because when somebody is a student, it's... It's always like you need to draw, otherwise you can't be a good designer. Of course, yeah, yeah. And it always has, yeah. Is that true any longer though? Like because the tools have become so interesting to work with and so powerful to work with. There's like, I mean, a person could become a good designer purely digitally. Is there that need to draw? It's a way. It's a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can be versatile and think about it both ways. So for me, I can I can start from sketch, but. In terms of something digital and animation, it's hard for me to start from sketch. I think I like to experiment with like a generative piece, like something I have like a small animation, and then I start editing and combining things. This is how this is how I usually do things. But in terms of architecture, that's different for me. I don't at all start with a Maya model or a Rhino model. Okay or start modeling from scratch. I don't do that. I start from an idea, like from a, even a plan sometimes, because this is what I was taught. So this is where it comes, the fact that uh, you spend like three years doing uh, sketches by hand and we weren't allowed any software. So yeah, this this is the side that, that comes into play, but mostly in architecture, basically. When you mentioned plan, it, it kind of reminded me of this one instant when, like I also studied architecture before moving into concept art. So I, I saw this tendency where people would design their buildings and plan. And the moment it went into the 3D space, it just looked like a box. Like they weren't able to visualize a broader scope of what that plan could be like. Why do you think a lot of people fail to extrapolate that plan into a genuinely interesting form? I think maybe there's something to do with fear, fear of uh, just fear of experimenting, basically. So mm-hmm. it's very strange. So they, they you're saying they, they're just extruding a plan, but then they don't know how to sculpt it even further. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. It's like if, if, a, if a plan is circular, then it just looks like a cylinder from top. If it's a square, then it just looks like a box. Like they aren't able to develop that form any further in a sculptural I think sense. It, yeah, but this is where you have to think about when you're starting with a plan, you have to think about it in 3D at the same time. You can't really just draw a plan and just be like, okay, this is my project. No, it's it's a back and forth relationship with your with your 3D or uh, for me, in my case, back then it was more uh, the model itself, like I uh, model making. So we used to do a lot of models like by hand as well with the plan. So that's something, this is how I used to see the spaces more than just sketching. I mean, I, I was very good in sketching, but there's, 
a point where when you're sketching something, you're not really seeing the matter properly, like in terms of like how tangible it is or how the volume really sits well with this volume or how you can actually intersect them. You can sketch so many things, but for me, I think it was that relationship between the model itself and the, the plan. So just the seeing the spaces and how you can improve that, that space and uh, how you can read it, etc. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, cool. that's it's yeah it's a back and forth it's not just a one-sided uh, relationship awesome um so we've been going for an hour um i don't know how much time yeah. that you have there was one one question that i like to kind of ask almost every yeah. designer or artist that i speak to like how far ahead do you plan your career or trajectory because we're all designers and we like to visualize grand ideas but in your own personal development how far ahead do you plan for um, not too far, actually, because I don't like to plan so much so far ahead, because when I think about how I started doing what I'm doing right now, it actually started from from, some, from a surprise, really, like mm -hmm. it wasn't really something I was planning to do. And then it's it's all about your interest and curiosity and the things that you find out every day. And if something that interests you or something that you can use to uh, help you express something or help you with your uh, own personal career as well, then you start immersing yourself further into it and this is when it starts taking a different path so it's all about really like on, on a daily basis what you want to do I, I mean for me I can I can I can set short-term goals because I really don't want to put too much pressure on myself say oh actually in five ten years I'm going to be this and that and I'm going to do this it doesn't work this way because you cannot really control everything. There's a lot of parameters involved, so you really have to be realistic. But uh, for me, for now, I can tell you for now, I, I'm I'm happy where I am. But at the same time, as I said before, so what I'm seeing is, for example, for next year, I would like to start doing more uh, projection uh, uh, like projection mapping or light projections or getting my stuff more into a 3d space than having still digital and in a in a still uh, in a still situation so that's not something i um i want to keep doing so i know that and that's mm -hmm. something i'm going to be working on and as well grow at zha so have to keep that balance that's true. set right <laughs> so just yeah. one final thing to close off the conversation i mean you yeah. are experimenting with the various type of designs and virtually as well as physically um as somebody who's starting out how do they not get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things that are possible and like how do they approach that entire journey to begin with sorry can you repeat that i didn't get yeah i meant people who are like at the very early stages of their career there's like yeah. so many endless possibilities like there's virtually you can design virtually yeah. you can design in a physical format how do they yeah. not get overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things that can be possible? Right. Okay. So it's all, it's all about really what you interest you. Like what what do you want to do? So it, it's all it's all stemming from the fact that what do you like? What do you do? Uh, what's your what inspires you? What, which direction you would like to take? But then it's hard to just it's easier said than done because once you start experimenting with something that you think actually works for you for or if you want to be like oh no actually i want to just stick around and be a, a technical architect or just being an architect i don't want to branch out and do something else but then you get exposed to something and then it it's just uh, 
uh, entices your your like uh, creative side. So it, it's all about not uh, suppressing things that you like, but at the same time knowing exactly what you want because otherwise, uh, yeah, it can get overwhelming and uh, overboard. So just uh, yeah, just just do what interests you because otherwise, yeah, you 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 won't do anything. You you just uh, be comfortable and. I don't recommend being comfortable. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You got to keep experimenting <laughs> and do what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Shantu, yeah. thank you so much for your time. <laughs> it was a great conversation. Uh, yeah, thank it was you really so fun. Much. Thank you so much.